You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for coming back to the podcast this week. Uh, this is my second episode this week already, and it's just Tuesday, and I'm having a blast doing it. And I'm happy to report that the numbers of people downloading the show, even though I'm putting out four a week, which is where I think I'm at. I don't think I'm going to do five. Uh, I might squeak five episodes in one of these weeks. But I'm podcasting four or five days a week in April, and I expected the numbers to go down per episode, but that doesn't look like it's happening. So thank you guys for keeping up with this. And like I said, don't sweat it if you miss an episode. I'm just going to have conversations every day that I want to have and do them on air, and they're for me to continue to think, uh, be stimulated, and to learn. And so you are welcome to, and I advise you come along with me on the journey, but if it's something you don't think is interesting, skip it. No problem. So uh, one of the reasons I'm able to do this is because I have a couple of sponsors that want to sponsor this show. I'm just going to mention them here at the top of the show. And that's Joey Sturgis Tones is one of them. Joey Sturgis is a great producer. I'm going to have him on the podcast in the future. And he makes a bunch of audio software that's really good. You can check it out at joeysturgistones.com. And you can get 10% off. Or is it 20% off? It's 20% off you can get from Joey Sturgis Tones products if you use my promo code PODCAST20. And then, of course, Broadcast Supply Worldwide. That's where I get my audio and podcasting gear. They supply all the gear for most of the major radio stations and broadcast stuff. So I, wherever you, whatever online retailer you typically get your audio gear from, switch it. And here's why I switch it. It's good, they're helpful, and 10% off for you. So that's something I can bring to you and they get to take a ride on the show and they get to support my new format. So it's a win for everybody. And the promo code for BSW is down. So you go to bswusa.com and enter the promo code down. Anything that's in the podcasting category of theirs, you'll get 10% off. So thank you to them for literally paying the rent here on the studio. So today I'm talking to Mike Mowry. Mike is a friend of mine. He co-founded Jabberjaw Media with me, and he basically runs it day in and day out. Uh, and he's been into podcasting for a little while here, but before that, and currently he's also an artist manager. So Mike, uh, uh, he manages Refused, if, if that means anything to you. It does to me. Uh, he also has managed Darkest Hour and a bunch of bands that you know. He lives in Washington, D.C., and is a, a, a great guy. He he's, has a company called Outer Loop Management, and he's even doing a course now that's uh, Outer Loop Coaching. So you can go to outerloopcoaching.com. And what he wants to do is help bands uh, figure out how to make their careers and get noticed and, and get signed. And he's a strategist in that way. Um, and he's a connected guy, a real manager in the real business, something that I stay out of a, a lot of times. And uh, Mike is in, he's my liaison to the, you know, the managers and the agents and the labels out there. He's, he's in that world uh, that I don't interface with as much, but I'm glad to have him as a friend and somebody fun to talk to. So, um, oh yeah, last thing I wanted to tell you is I am starting a Patreon. Reva, do we have an announced date for that? What I say would be a good time to launch it next week? Next Wednesday. Okay. So if I can pull it all together, I'm going to launch a Patreon next Wednesday. Um, and I've got some real exciting things in there. I have some ideas that, that I'm excited to share with you. We're going to build a little community. So instead of doing this big, massive social media stuff, I'm just going to build something to interface with the listeners of this show and the patrons of this show. I've got some uh, new art that I'm working on this week. And we're building, Reva and I are building the Patreon 
campaign, and I don't know if it'll be big or little, but it doesn't really matter. I'm looking forward to, to building a, a little unique community. So if you guys have any perks or ideas for a Patreon campaign, tweet me. My Twitter is at Zod Carter, Z-O-D-C-A-R-T-E-R, and tell me what Patreons you currently support and what you like about them, and I'll sit, think about how to include those in there. But I really want it to be fun and engaging and interactive in a way that's not me having to do stuff you know, to pander to patrons or audience. I'm trying to build this thing and that thing to be something that I will genuinely enjoy, like this podcast. I want to genuinely enjoy the community we create and the whatever group we talk in and whatever the perks are and the extra stuff that we do. I want that to be fun for me because it'll be good for everybody. So that's what I got in mind. Stay tuned for that, and I'll update you. Maybe it's next Wednesday. Maybe we push it back, but I think we can make it. All right, so we'll get going. Talk to Mike Mowry. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 So now you're on better internet. Yeah. Is that your solid state hoodie that I heard about? No, it's not. I've got a different hoodie on. I don't want to make it the biggest topic in the world, but I have an alternate black hoodie that's a Reggie and the Full Effect hoodie, and then I have the solid state one. And then I have one gray hoodie that has a Clemson paw on it, and that's it. I don't have any other outerwear. <laughs> I'm rocking my outer loop hoodie. There you go. Because it was in the office. So... Here's what I would like to start with today, Mike, is you have been in the music business a really long time, and now I've been in the podcast business a little bit, but you haven't been, you haven't had a kid at home until now, and so I want to know how that feels. I hadn't been to talk, talk to you a ton since you had your kid recently, but I wanted to say uh, congratulations. I've already told you congratulations, but I mean that. You know, babies are my favorite, probably my favorite thing. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, it's definitely a game changer, you know, and it's one of those things you just can't realize and understand until it's in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, your partner's hands and each relationship is, of course, different. Um, you know, and and I think you and I are sort of similar and I'm not necessarily the most empathetic person in the entire world. Uh -huh. And so, you know, you and I have obviously dealt with people, you know, that have had kids. And sometimes I'm like, I don't, you know, sorry, dude, business still has to get done. We got to make sure that we mm -hmm. get this business done. But yeah, it definitely um, requires some juggling, but I'm very fortunate. You know, I, as you know, you know, this is something I've been, my wife and I've been trying to do for quite some time. Um, and I set my life up. So I could still run my business and thrive with a kid at home. Mm -hmm. You know, my office is a 15 minute walk from my house. Um, you know, I'm able to get back and forth as needed yep. with relative ease. And, you know, I'm very fortunate. I set my own schedule. Yeah. Um, obviously, I got to do business when other people are doing business. But, you know, there there are some some bits of flexibility that have been so incredibly th that's helpful. become a kind of a problem for me is the fact that business that we do and entertainment and music and all this kind of stuff is 
yeah, of course it's flexible. Of course you can set your own hours or whatever. But to me, that really does cause problems at home. Like I got into a fight with my wife about it yesterday. And basically the gist of it is like this. She thinks... This isn't really what she thinks, but this is what I think she thinks. She thinks <laughs> that I, my job is goof around with my friends and watch football and play poker, apparently. That's the way she seems to treat what she thinks that I do. <laughs> like, does, does she listen to this podcast? No, she doesn't <laughs> listen right. to any podcast. So you're not trying to drop uh, no. some aluminum. No, but it's, but I mean, I understand her point. She doesn't say that. I'm just saying she seems to treat my schedule, appointments, and the importance of what I do because it's self-directed and because it is fun and all those things. I feel like she has a lot less respect for it than if I came home covered in dirt or grease or had been, you know, doing something manual or came or home, with, you know what I mean? Or with a million dollar check. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever it is. But it, I feel like she thinks it's just, you just goof off with your friends and say it's a job or something, even regardless of the income. So Yeah, well, you know, you've set your your life up where, you know, I think that too, of course, about you. Oh, yeah, okay. so she's right. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I mean, I will say... Uh, my wife definitely knows the work that I put in and doesn't mm. see it that way. Um, well, you know, lucky she, for you. <laughs> I was uh, going to see if you had the same mean, problem but, as me. But, but I will say, I mean, you know, my challenge is, and, and you know this, I mean, I like people. Mm -hmm. I like to be in the mix of things and that's how opportunities, you know, have presented themselves to me. So up until now, like if somebody says, hey, can you be here at this time? My answer is usually yes. Yeah, um, right. You know, and and. I can't necessarily say, hey, you know, to my wife, I'm going to go down to this show, you know. Right. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's a perfectly good example. Um, and I don't know when this will air. Right now. Okay. So we're we're live. You're live. Yep. All that. Okay. But it'll be published in the podcast feed right after this. Okay. Great. So tomorrow night, uh, Baroness mm -hmm. uh, is playing at the 9:30 Club, mm -hmm. and I don't work with Baroness. Um, but it's presented by DC Brow and DC Brow uh, have be we've become pretty tight with those guys. You know, we did a darkest hour collaboration beer with them. And, you know, there's this whole um, craft beer conference that's going on in DC right now. I guess the best way to describe it would be it's like they're South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to go down. I want to show face. There's going to be opportunities that, you know, might present themselves probably not that night. But down the line, yep. it's all the relationship building. And so that's where I get into a lot of trouble is I get invited to a lot of things. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to say no. Well, yeah, and, because, I mean, essentially from her point of view, not that she has this point of view or holds you to it, but that's like, oh, so he just wants to go out to the bar tonight and watch a concert. You don't have yeah. any more definite plans than that, but that technically is your job. Yeah, I mean, but she does get it. And and so what I have done, this has been the hardest part for me is, you know, being on the East Coast. It's already two o'clock that we're doing this in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I, every evening that I'm available to, um, you know, I get home by 5.30 or 6 now, which, you know, it, that was impossible previously, or I would be on the phone, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. home 6, 6.30, you know, and then just running straight through. And so now I have to, you know, I tell Heather, my assistant, say no calls, you know, any call after 5.30, I'll do my 5.30 call on the way home. Don't schedule anything after that unless, you know, it's uh, it's cleared, 
you know, and then we do some bedtime stuff. And yeah, definitely. I've I've found lately that I've just gotten into the routine of working at night. So I try to knock off as early as I can in the afternoon to spend time with the family, which I like. By the way, I'm not complaining about them, but um. And then I'll just come back two or three nights a week at least, and that way I can work on music as quiet because I'm 15 minutes away from my office too. So I can come down and work at night and do stuff. So I try to do a podcast or so or two. I guess I'm on a pace right now. I just was counting it up, Mike, and, and you probably know this, but you probably don't totally know it. But I think as of this month, I'm recording about 10 podcasts a week right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know it was that many. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, I've been enjoying you know, listening to – the ones that you've done, I, I realize I've missed a few. And in fact, I imagine a lot of people will miss them at the pace I'm at right now, but that's just yeah, an experiment. But, you know, uh, I, I saw the second one with Ray pop into my feed today. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I listened to that one this morning and then, um, and then actually I, there's another podcast that I like called note to scene. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen this one. It's two guys that, you know, used to work at alternative press that kind of cover the the AP scene, even mm -hmm. though they don't work there anymore. And they mentioned your episode with, um, is his name Dallas, the guy that was from Maylene? Yep. Yep. You guys had him on Bad Christian? Yeah, last week. Yep. Yeah. That so was a really good episode. It's just yeah. doing super well. You know, basically all the numbers of the things that we're working on, Bad Christian and, and this, are doing just really good. So it just, to me, it just, it's your thing. It's what you're doing. It's working. Just do more of it. That's just kind of what, you know, I, like you said before, I'm a, I like to say yes. So if there's an idea and the answer could be yes, then man, you know, I get into trouble that way though. So I've got two more things probably doing than I should be doing, but if they sound like good ideas, I just, I feel compelled to say yes, you know? And so oh, these things I, are working. The numbers are, are growing. So I'm like, well, let's do, let's keep on going then. Yeah, I don't know, you know what else to do. Exactly. We're very, um, we're very similar in that capacity. Um, in fact, like recently I changed my signature, you know, from my email and I got a few different emails. Obviously I even have a Jabberjaw one set up, but I almost always just go back, you know, for anything business to my outer loop email. Mm -hmm. It's just the one that I'm most comfortable with. And I realize, like, you know, nobody's going to care if it comes from there or elsewhere. And so, um, I put all of the things that I'm involved with, uh, you know, basically anything that has a website, yeah. uh, in my signature. And I don't know if you, you know, we've emailed a few times. I mean, it, it, I, I sort of borderline look like a D bag, you know, cause there's For like listing all your stuff. Yeah. Well, a little bit, but you know, the reasoning that I did it that way is I am involved in a lot of stuff. I'm excited about a lot of the stuff I'm involved in. Um, and I, you know, as a guy who reads emails late at night or early in the morning, sometimes if, you know, you've got a, a link in the bottom of your signature, I'll click on it and say, man, I had no clue Matt Carter was involved in whatever it may be, you know, yeah. like I know a lot of what you're involved in, but, you know, I'm looking at your computer and see the BC supply sticker. You know, if you send an email that had, you know, bad Christian podcast, break it down podcast, you know, whatever else, Emory crowdfund and then BC supply. And I didn't, I didn't know what it already mm -hmm. was. I'd click on it and say, wow, that's really cool. And probably ask you about it. Yeah, no, that's true. But you're right. It feels like you're being a D bag or douchebag. Uh, you can say on, on the show. I don't think that's a bleep word. I don't bleep any words anyway, but, um, Fuck, 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 There fuck. you go. Yeah, there you go. So, but I, you know, it, there's the thing about that where it's just, uh, there's some set of manners to like. I, I learned as a kid not to brag because my, my tendency would be to brag, and my parents would say, "Don't brag." And so you have to figure out ways to talk about what you're excited about 
in regular life verbally with people without sounding like you're bragging. So I feel like digitally it gets really weird, especially these days because you have to self-promote, I guess, if you do anything. And even if you don't, I mean, you have to think about your reputation as it is online, but there's so ill-defined what is good and bad manners or name-dropping or or bragging or how you do it. It it just makes me uncomfortable, you know, in general, the self-promotion thing. But it, it, it just seems unavoidable that you, if you're doing something that's creative or art or entertainment, you must do what you can. And and the thing you're talking about really lies in the professional network setting. So if I send an email out with my signature and it has some stuff on it, you know, you got to consider that's not even a mass audience, but it may be important people. If I'm talking to so-and-so's manager or somebody's label, you know, conversations I have a lot on email. Yeah, it probably is a good idea to do that stuff. You know what I mean? But I just had to say personally, the whole networking notion and scene is just, I don't like it. Like I, I kind of try to avoid it as much as possible. And I think it's weird because we we hole up here. We have this office here. It's just Reva and I most of the time. And I just talk to my friends that live in Tennessee and South Carolina on the phone in Illinois. And we make music. And we do all this stuff. So even though we do a lot of music business, I almost intentionally and stay removed from <laughs> professionals in the music industry. I kind of try to avoid them, to be honest, <laughs> which isn't probably yeah, the greatest I, thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess the question begets, you know, you've had success with your band. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had success with at least your main podcast. And it seems like you're having success with, you know, this podcast. Yeah. And that's allowed you to develop so many things. So I think for me, in a weird way, like, I still don't feel like I've reached my my apex. You know, I feel like I, I've still got a lot to accomplish and a lot to offer and therefore, I need to kind of be in the mix with people. So, yeah, you know. Well, that's I your job, though. Out. So that's what I want right. to discuss a little bit is, you know, what, from your point of view, if you see me in the career that Emery's having, is so non-traditional. And I do note you as a person that I like and work with and get along with, but very divide kind of sharply philosophically on traditional and new school and old school and stuff like that. So I'm curious as an, in an honest feedback way of the, I operate in this very ultra independent self-made kind of off the grid. Like I said, I don't, I don't email and talk with managers and people and agents as much as possible. I just don't do business with them. And that's not that I hate them all or anything. I just, that's just the way I prefer to do it. But uh, from your point of view, now, what now you mean for Emory and that for case, everything, or? Okay. I just, I just, for everything, like my, my goal is to be direct, like, you know, the least amount of things between a creation and the person, the better, because it gets closer and closer to real and a real connection. But that's not fair to say, because the the reason I have an audience of people to connect with is because I was part of a machine that got me there originally. So I understand it's two sides of the coin. And when people ask for advice, I wouldn't say, go off the grid and do your own thing until it just works. I know I know this is not as simple as that, but in the way that we do Emory and the podcast and the business I do, devoid of the traditional systems and managers and agents and stuff like that, what what criticisms or things you think I, we're doing wrong or selling ourselves short? What do you think we're missing out on by being well, out of, no, no pun intended, at, by being out of the loop? Um, 
You know, it's it's tough. And one of the things that you definitely have going for you is, um, you know, you've been through so much and you've been able to learn a lot. And if there's one thing that, you know, I completely respect about you and, and it's a little different than than me is, you know, you really dig in and get incredibly knowledgeable about, you know, very specific things. Mm-hmm. And I've you don't have to say good stuff. I'm asking for the criticism. No, 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 no. Believe me, I'm going to get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but but like for me, I'm much more of like a generalist in some ways. And I think that's what management, you know, artist management has has sort of taught me to be. Um, and therefore, to be a generalist, I need to surround myself with other people who can, you know, can help me do more specific things. Mm-hmm. Not to say I couldn't understand all of the nature of what goes into the audio, you know, that I'm looking at in your background. I just choose not to. I'd much rather find somebody else who can do that because I want to spare time to go, you know, sit down with a manager or sit down with an agent or sit mm-hmm. down with an artist or whatever it may be. Um, I also just think that's part of my personality. I have, you know, I keep saying like, I'm an includer. If, you know, if you're respectful to me um, and I got bread and I got a big enough table, come take a seat. Like, let's break bread and, and see what happens. And I feel like you're a little bit different <laughs> in that sense. You know, it's more like, well, I got this bread and I baked the bread. And yeah, you seem like a nice guy. And maybe there'll be a time in the future that you have your own bread and then we can come together and talk about our mm-hmm. recipes. But what I want to do is, you know, focus on my bread and, you know, I've spent a lot of time crafting and, and, you know, creating this recipe and now it's great and I want to eat it. Um, you know, I think where Emery is in your career, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. In fact, you know, I, yeah, I'm a manager. Of course, I, I advocate for artist management and, you know, I think artists needs man artists need managers, by the way. But you know, no, some know. artists can manage themselves, but the job exists whether regardless of who does it. There's a ton to do. Right. You know what I mean? I don't advocate that. Well, well, and for certain artists, depending on what their goals are, you know, depending on where they are in their career, um, there's certain things that yes, people in the band or people that the band surround themselves with can do. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like when you know, I got my start in the quote unquote real part of the industry as a tour manager. And in fact, that's what led me to think that I could do artist management because I thought I was doing all of it anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think the tour manager does the most work of anybody in music. I think they do the most hands-on, perceptual, valuable work of anybody. A good tour manager is my favorite person to ever pay any money to. Well, and as a manager, it's such a challenge to not have a good tour manager. And that's, you know, depending on where artists are in the business, you know, they can't afford to pay everyone. And of course, when you're a developing artist, you're not going to even get the right opportunities to go out where you need a good tour manager. And so, you know, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of my take on that. But again, I mean, I think where Emery is, um, you've definitely figured out uh, how to make it all work for you. And I think you guys are comfortable with where, you know, you are in your career. And I don't really think anyone from the outside could come in and necessarily make you, you know, twice as big. Yeah. Like, the problem is, though, from my point of view, is people, 
people are just say, you know, I still get this all the time. This is what makes me a little sad is when I do run into industry people and hobnob with them, they're like, uh, oh, yeah, y'all still play? You know, I know that they don't even know, but our fans know, and we can sell out clubs, and we can make money, and we have our career, but I understand we're, oh, who's that band? Like, oh, yeah, that that band. Even people that are in, managers and agents even don't even know what we're doing. Like, they just don't even, I, they don't even know I that mean, it listen, exists. <laughs> hey, it even happens to managers. Yeah. Believe me, there's managers I know where they still get the question like, oh, you still manage? And I think, you know, one of the things that I had to learn early on, because when I started my management career, um... You know, I never felt like the effort that I was putting in was equal to the result that was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I was defining it by money, right? That's what that's a great denominator in what all of us do. I mean, how do you tell whether or not your show did well? Yeah. Most times, oh, well, we got paid, you know, we got a great guarantee or we did a great door deal or we got back end. But really, you know. Yes, that's a factor, especially for those of you that are supporting families, you name it. But really, I mean, shows show could be great without money, yep. you know, or without a certain amount of money. And so I had to, and it's a struggle still to this day. I mean, believe it or not, I have to constantly remind myself that I can't, you know, I can't judge what I'm doing based on what the financial compensation is. I have to judge it on what impact have I made, you know, in either the artist's life, my employees' lives, my life, mm-hmm. my family's life. Um, you know, so I don't know if that really answers your full question. Um, but if you want me to manage Emory, the answer is no. Not worth it. Too much. No. Yeah, too hard. Well, you know, and, and it's tough. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of just being, you know, a I little know. bit facetious here. But um, when you get to a certain stage, you know, and I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've worked with, and I still work with some older sort of legacy acts. Are you a legacy act at this point? I think that's a good question. I think that's a good question. And I don't know that. I mean, I guess I don't want to just be that. Like we're making a new record. I mean, people seem excited about it. I think it's going to do well and I think it'll be good, but I don't know if it's if we're set up or designed to make that go out to new waves of fans or not but when you say legacy artist you mean like for instance there's the refuse poster on the wall behind you probably my favorite band ever uh and you you manage refused uh and to prove how ineffective of a manager you must be you can't you haven't even got dennis lixon on my podcast yet so (laughs) what do you want me to say (laughs) i I figured i would use this opportunity to uh tell you that his new band invasion Mm -hmm. i and ESN has an album coming out and he would gladly come on your podcast Thank to talk you. about things invasion. And if you want to slip some refuse stuff in there. Yeah, here. I will, I will treat, I will treat him well on, on both. I will definitely spend time on both for sure. But yeah, that would be, that would be a nice hookup. I've been waiting on from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you had a manager, your manager could have nudged me like once That's a true. week. That's true. That's true. Hey Mike, how's this going? And eventually I'd get tired and either say, hey, Matt, there's no chance in hell, but really, there would be a chance in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dennis Dennis is a awesome dude and, and, you know, loves connecting with people as well. And I actually, you know, I'm very curious how your interview with Dennis will go, A, from being a fan, but B, also just knowing – um, you know, how you analyze things. Yeah, I would like, I just try and take it usually a somewhat different angle than other people. But I mean, it's just, I'm just trying to set everything up so I enjoy it so that I can do it better. Like, you know, I just have to try to get it to where it's what I want to do and not what 
people ought to do or think you ought to do. So I'm, I work really hard to try to, I just want my life to be custom and not, I just don't, I just, there's some just deep down amount of conformity that's just always going to bother me. And I, prob, I'm sure it's to a fault, but I just don't want to be, be what I'm supposed to be. I just want to, I just will thrive better if I design what I'm doing. That's, that's the bottom line. That's just me. I, I don't think that's for everybody, but I am curious what you would say that the question always is, and with the coaching you do and managing and bands and stuff like that, I feel I, sometimes at a big loss on how to help a new band. And I'm wondering what is, what is the stuff you're saying to new bands these days that want to get noticed or picked up or managed and stuff like that. Cause I get, questions constantly all the time like how do I do it and then my answer is just so is kind of goofy I mean because I tell oh well you don't need a label you don't need this but you need something you know what I mean well, yeah so yeah, yeah I mean you know the the coaching platform which I'm really excited about which starts in two weeks um two weeks from tomorrow so Wednesday mm -hmm. is that April 19th um you know most of what I've done is has come out of I don't know if necessity is the right word, but seeing something that I think is missing um, and trying to fill that void. So, you know, when I was managing bands like Darkest Hour and Strapping Young Lad, which turned into Devin Townsend Project mm -hmm. and Misery Signals and the Agony scene and, you know, a lot of like metal and metalcore bands, um, you know, I wanted to be in kind of that Emory world, that warp Tour world where you'd hear, oh my God, you know, 2006 or whatever year it was, you know, you're selling 10,000 bucks plus in merch, you know, in a day or a night, um, whatever the number is, you know, could have been higher, could have been lower. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I finally got that opportunity with uh, the band We Came As Romans and felt like I added a lot of, you know, value to them. And one of the things that we did for them and with them was, you know, they had given away an EP online and then we kind of went back and, and, you know, uh, I guess released it properly so it could be an income stream and generator to them. And that sort of started me in this like way of helping developing artists because that was the only people I could convince. I don't know if convince is the right word. Those were the people that were available to do business, you know, with guys like myself. Mm -hmm. You know, why would an established Warped Tour artist or whatever, um, you know, want to come to me back in 2006, 2007? I didn't have the, you know, the roster that indicated, and that's what so many people are judging you on is, of course, your roster. And so over the, you know, from 2009 to 2014, 15, it's like I helped a lot of artists get their start by helping them self-release EPs. Yeah. And then we ended up, you know, we got the traction for them. And of course, you know, I'm only thinking of the ones that work. There's plenty that it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they got the traction, they got the leverage, then the labels wanted to sign them. So then we signed them off to labels. Well, let's talk so about I, the one the things that don't work because that's kind of what's interesting because there's a numbers game that, that really goes on in at least in music business and that's one of the things I'm wary of. So, if you break it down this way, you'd say that a record label is maybe a, like a baseball team and you're drafting and you're getting prospects and you're trying to collect all this talent and put it through your farm system, knowing that some will be superstars, but even some of them that are superstars are going to be flops. And so that our top prospects may be a flop. They oh, they've done this, they've achieved this, they've done all these things, and it still doesn't work. And sometimes you want to you want you know you want to evaluate all the stuff. But the the bottom line is, it's not half that make it. 
it's not even close to that. It's it's like no. one out of, and you name the number nine, yeah, I mean, 20, yeah. you know, yeah, kind of things 10. like that. And so when, when you're doing business or doing anything, you'll hear the phrase often uttered, you know, always bet on yourself, you know, invest in yourself and, and that kind of thing. So when you go to want to partner with somebody or a label or something like that, you have to face the reality that you're going to have to be, you're gambling on being one of 10, the, the one of these next 10 bands that the manager, the agent, or the the label is going to, you know, is going to work. And it's not necessarily the label's fault either way. They can't manufacture a hit artist. Just that's the myth is, well, if you get signed to a label and they decide to blow you up, they can. That's not even true. And no, so now you're at the mercy not, of, not, of other not, people. Not when you were signed and yeah. surely not today. Yeah. And so that's what is is bizarre about it is you have to face the reality that only some stuff's going to work and it may not be your thing unless you grow it one fan at a time yourself. So I don't know that that's the best way to do it, well, but so I I think you are right and one of the things that is really exciting about the music business today for me is, you know, as a guy who spent a lot of time in the DIY like hardcore scene there's never been such a time where artists can, you know, really look after themselves. The hard part is that's a challenge, you know, and, and not everybody knows exactly what they can and should do. In fact, many people don't know what they can and should be doing. And that's really where the coaching platform comes yeah. in. It's, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, a therapist, but as a guy that has spent time in therapy, you know, the one thing that's crazy is you roll in there, you know, you pay somebody, you tell them your problems, they tell you what you should probably work on. And when you come back the next time, if you haven't done it, you still sit down and you pay them again. Yeah. Right. There, th that's not like the therapist has to knock on your door. Hey, Mike, you know, did you work on yourself this week? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the, the biggest challenge that I started finding. And listen, I still develop artists all the time, um, but I just don't have a bandwidth to do it for all of them. And so what I'm trying to do is utilize the coaching platform to give what I've learned. And I've learned a hell of a lot. And unfortunately, I've learned most of it through trial and error mm -hmm. um, and stupid persistence. Um, but I have a great knowledge base that I can offer to young artists to say, okay, here you are. And, and what allowed me to do this? And, and everything's a process. Well, what, I mean, what are the first things though? What are the very first things out of the gate? So I, I'll give you a typical band situation is we have, we're doing shows locally. We made a really good, uh, you know, we spend as much money as we could raise on a three song thing. We have it on Bandcamp. We have 4,000 uh, Facebook likes that we've been working to get. Uh, we think our stuff is ready to go to the next level. What do we do? What's yep. the answer to that? The answer is keep working. I mean, that's really what the answer is, is, you know, I have this saying, it's like great content done consistently over time. Mm -hmm. And in that equation, first and foremost, you know, I realize great is subjective. So I say good or good enough. If you're an artist, of course, you think your content's great or you should think. Yeah, your that's, a, that's the problem. <laughs> but you and I both know, like, you know, we've watched plenty of artists who their first album they thought was great and it wasn't. The second album was better, but it still wasn't great. Maybe by number three or four, then it's actually great. So, but you shouldn't prevent yourself from yeah. putting out 
content, which I know you don't like the word, but uh, you know, it's fine. In my mind, that's all we're doing is pissing into the content wind, you know, and hoping it doesn't blow back on us um, in everything we do. But for a young artist, I would say, you know, you got to get strategic, of course. Obviously, if you're playing local shows and it's not moving the needle in any capacity and you're not connecting with the other artists who are playing and you're not making an impression upon the promoter, da, 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 da. Like, what are some tips and tricks that you can do to take the most, make the most of the situation that you're in Mm -hmm. and then step by step? I mean, the problem is everybody wants to start at zero and get to Everest, you know, as a one night freaking climb. But that's just not possible. No. So in that well, I mean, you hear the stories where content. something immediately blows up or whatever. So people are, are you know, doesn't. intoxicated no, I mean, by that notion. And it, I mean, you know. I it, mean, it rarely, I mean, we can talk about exceptions to every rule and every line of business that I'm yeah. in. It's always an exception. Mm-hmm. And I always make sure to point out that, look, if we're going to talk about exceptions, understand that it's an exception. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the I, ones where the guy has its overnight success, first of all, it's probably not as, that's probably more the way it appears than the way it actually is a lot of times. And secondly, as we've already covered, all successes almost are exceptions to the rule of, of course it, there's failure. I mean, just think it, just there's no way around the numbers. How many bands are there? It's just absolutely, well, if you just, if you took a socialist approach and said all the people making music, now let's divide it equally across listeners. Every, you know, every single band would have about, a, you know, I don't know, a hundred listeners. Yeah, that'd be the way it would go or, or less, you know. So there just, there must be failure primarily. Well, you're exactly right. And I mean, believe me, there's been times in the past 13 plus years when I've been managing bands where like I've wanted to just say, screw it, man, I'll go get another job. Like I'm smart enough. I'm resourceful enough. I know enough people. I will go do something else. And inevitably, thankfully, I've got a good support network and people have said, hey, dude, you know, can you ride this wave out? You know, can you muster through? Because when I talk to you, when things are going well, you're on top of the world. You know, and yeah, things inevitably aren't always going to go well, whether, you know, you name the situation, can you ride it out? Um, and I'm long past that point. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm, you know, my swells are, you know, I, I guess the swells are higher and the troughs are, yep. you know, l- less frequent. But even for artists, I mean, you know, there's an artist that I love that I work with called Carnifex. You know, they're a death metal band, death core band. You know, they just sold out the glass house in Pomona nice. um, on their tour. I mean, Scott, the singer, who's one of the best dudes in the world, who you've got to get on your podcast at some point, he says, he laughs. He's like, yeah, we're a 12-year overnight success. Exactly. Like, literally, yeah. we have been at this for 12 years. And, you know, I he he was on a podcast recently that I listened to. Maybe it was Josta's. It was great, though. You know, he's just such a genuine guy. And he talks about, you know, they had to take some time off. They had to, you know, step away to refocus yeah. and realize, like, what they had, what they'd earned, what they'd worked towards. Of course, there's some personal stuff going on, but if they would have just walked away, you know, they could have just been another one of those bands. Like, oh yeah, I remember Carnifex, they did three albums on Victory and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to do with, all right, here's the way I am addressing this currently. It's almost nihilistic, uh, almost the way I look at it. But I think everything is just statistics. Like there's X amount of chance. So all you can, I don't really think there's a narrative really going on I'm not trying to talk about all of life existentially, but at least just for entertainment. I'm just just entertainment only. If you look at it, it just seems like there is no destiny or narrative. There's just odds, and then whatever's going to fit will fit. 
and will work. So whatever's going to work is going to work. So the way I like to think about that is you don't want to over-narrativize and put a destiny on your career. So to the say it in the most simplest way I could say that works for me is no goal. I'm a no goal kind of guy. I like to have almost no goal outside of what I'm in, doing right now uh, and keep that. And that sounds counterintuitive, I guess. But if you, if you are not goal oriented, then it frees you to be process oriented and yeah. and allows you to not and it allows you to set yourself up to be sustainable. So if I'm excited about a small goal like I want to do this today or something next week, then I probably you could say that's small goals and then you accomplish them, but I don't even think of it like that. I think of you you should just be in the thing you're doing sustainably because there's very little chance you would do a podcast or a band for over 10 years and not have some success. But that will right. only work. I mean, first of all, if you are failing, you will quit because it'll be so frustrating. Well, you will quit. So correct. if you were even able to make it ten years, that in itself, you could just say is is almost. I mean, I wouldn't even name it as a goal, but that is going to greatly increase your probability of having success. So well, you're better off to I, just buckle in and do what's sustainable. So when you talk about bands taking care of themselves or taking time off or doing whatever, that's not really. It's not this narrative where well we had to do this and then this would happen and that would unlock this. It's not even that. It's just we did we do whatever we must do to go on, and over time it probably will work or it won't. But at least you should set yourself up to enjoy today, tomorrow, and the next day. Because when the goal comes that you set, I want to sell out a one thousand cap room. Well, I've done it. Doesn't mean nothing. Who cares? Right. Like it, it th I thought that would be awesome, and I guess right. it was, or it was the first time. But it, you know, I don't even see the point in having well, that goal. I mean, you know, I I respect where you're coming from, and you and I are at an age and a stage in our careers where that actually, you know, what I do sort of aligns with what you're saying. I don't set a ton of goals, you know. Yeah. I I also am trying to just be involved in great things. The difference is, I do set goals and milestones for the artists that I work with mm -hmm. because I'm what are some them. ones you would you would have in mind though like what would be what's oh, a practical I mean, example of that certain tours you know mm -hmm. warp tour for instance you know that's something to to build towards a certain amount of followers on a social media which sounds strange but you know sales goals what's your measure of a good Facebook number you you a band sends you something uh, and you say, oh, that's pretty good. I, that sounds all right. And then you dial up their Facebook page. What is the number that you go, okay? Well, I or mean, you go, Ew. what's the number well, when you see it and you go, Ew. <laughs> uh, I mean, you go Ew, under, under like 5k, usually, uh -huh. you know, maybe under 10, uh -huh. but you also realize everybody's starting somewhere. And, and again, like to the coaching platform, part of it is, you know, we're in this great place where I think you and I would both say like, you've got the ability to access people in a way that you never had previously. Mm -hmm. um, so, so take advantage of that. And so, you know, that means if you and I started a band right now, um, you know, on this call and we recorded it and we thought we could get to somebody that we thought could help us, you know, a bigger agent or whatever it may be, we would go at them. But what I'm trying to, you know, and so like I, I don't want to take that sense of empowerment away from artists. What I want to do is, is tell them how to be strategic about it. You know, we live in this society and I'm guilty of it too. I take a freaking picture that I think is cool and immediately I put it up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like that. What's the but problem with that? Not, That's what well, it's for. 
It is, but let I mean, it depends on what I want to get out of it. If I actually want more people to see it, you know, because I think it's just good art or I think it's something cool or news or noteworthy, there's actually times of the day that are better to do that. And so the point I'm getting at with, with artists, developing artists in particular is, cool, we got these three songs. We want to get them out. You know, we want to hit up everybody. Because if we get it to everybody, if we get it to Matt Carter at Bad Christian, we get it to Mike Mowry at Outer Loop, we get it to, you know, whoever at Tooth and Nail, Hopeless, Fearless, Equal Vision, Epitaph, Sumerian, you know, Victory, it goes on and on and on and on, um, they'll take notice. But really, there's a, a best time and a best place, you know, to, to set yourself up for the best possible chance of getting noticed. Optimized would be the word yeah. I'd use for that. You want to optimize yeah. what you're already doing, at least, or what you, you know. It's not a formula, though. It's just you choose oh, what you're going to do, and hopefully, I mean, because everything boils down to, you know, you get all, it seems like most industries, and of, you know, not just music, is it's kind of reactive to this is work, this is work, this is work, so you got to be like this. That's the mentality that always drives almost everything in business. Whatever's working is what you want to do. And as soon as it can be realized and digested into a formula, that's immediately when, in my opinion, and for art's sake, it's too late. Once somebody has identified this is how you need to use Instagram to get these results, then it's too late. Like it's just too late for yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not I, saying, I, but but I'll put it this way: if you don't have a an idea or something you want to do, a way you want to use your Instagram or vision for your band, yeah, you're best to follow best practices to fill in the blanks of ideas you don't have. But if you have something you want to accomplish or something you want to do or something you can name, I would almost always trust that over what is working for other people. Well, of course, and you know, I mean the the. Take Carnifex is a great example. Another band I work with, Ice Nine Kills. I mean, these are artists that I've worked with for, you know, well over five plus years and have watched the process. And the, the thing about both of those bands who are both doing very well is they've figured out their own lane. They've finally gotten to a point, and maybe in their heads they've been at this point for a long time, um, but to me it's become so clear that they have their own vision of how they can be the best Carnifex, Ice Nine Kills, even Darkest Hour that they can be. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not trying to be, oh, yeah. well, you know, these six bands are on, you know, Summer Slaughter or Mayhem or, you know, whatever, you know, death death metal uh, tour there is or, you know, in Ice Nine Kills case, Warp Tour or any of these other tours. They're not trying to be those bands. And you and I have seen it. You well, know, the jealousy is what drives that typically. You know, I feel like when, when, you become, when you see, and this is the easiest trap to fall into, is you see somebody else that has something you want or worse yet think you deserve that they got. And now you have totally in my opinion if you follow that and go and lean into that you're just i mean that's that's silly oh, because I mean, now exactly. i'm not saying you are saying that but that is such a negative place to be is jealous and competitive and then all you're gonna do is to try to do what they did to get the thing that they did and that's not i mean that's just a, a bad lane to go down no of course i mean listen it's super easy so when um, you hear bands that the find their own lane that means that they've kind of <laughs> you know better better off than that they know what they are trying to do and what well, course, they want to do but, but it's taken time. I mean, that's a maturity thing. Yeah, it is. And and just a life lesson thing. You realize, I mean, you know, listen, if somebody came in here into my office today and said, hey, I can take your business from where it is, you know, to 10 times the amount, be, you know, because I've done it with this other person. Yeah, of course, I'd be a little interested and intrigued. But, you know, now we have the maturity to really dig through and understand, all right, well, maybe that only worked because, you know, 
of the mm-hmm. time and the place or, you know, that person was different. And that happens with, you know, artists all the time. I see it, you know, there's a lot of like unfortunate, you know, competition with what happens in even the management game, you yeah. know, just like label game. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're here. We just think somebody else could take us to here plus, you yeah. know. Yeah, that I just, but see that whole thing to me, if you're driven by jealousy, then, I mean, you've already, that's, you're not driving then, right? Like, if you're driven by something else, jealousy is a very easy one to fall into or competitiveness, then you, okay, so you're not driving, it is. And that's not, right. that just doesn't make sense why you'd even want to be in that, it, even well, think listen, that and, way. And those so. are the types of things that I'm trying to convey to people, like these young artists um, that I talk to. And, and, you know, I did, I've done some stuff like this, TEI, you know, Kevin Lyman and um, a couple other people, the Entertainment Institute, when they first came out, you know, they had industry professionals like myself that, you know, taught some classes. And, and Matt, I really thought it was going to be kids that were just like, what do I do? You know, like literally like, I don't know, what do I do? And I was so impressed. And I think it's because there was a price point to it. Oh, people, yeah, yeah. People were like, all right, I'm going to take my 40 bucks or whatever it is. You know, my four band members, we're going to split it up. It's 10 bucks. Like, and we're going to ask Mike Mowry a very specific question about what we should do. And so many of these people were so on point and so driven that it was just awesome to be able to give them, you know, in that one hour, a bit of advice. Mm-hmm. You know, now what I'm doing with this course is you get eight freaking, you know, essentially classes, you know, webinar classes, along with support from, you know, me and and my team, which, you know, I think we do great work. And I'm just really excited about the prospects of the people that are going to come in, um, you know, and be able to, to guide them because, you know, there are some formulaic things that people can and should do. You know, mm-hmm. you should market this way, you should tour this way, you name it. But one of the things I really want to teach is like how to, you know, how to process things. Because at that age, I didn't ever get that knowledge. It took me much later in life, you know, to, to understand how to actually process so many of the scenarios that, you know, I'm in. And, the, and understanding how to think through it, you know, is really more than half of the battle in my mind. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a maturity thing, but it, it is interesting to, these days to know that all the artists coming up are going, it's like just part of the culture now that they're going to be hard workers and trying to do business and all those things. I think that's a good thing, but you know, it's 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 weird nowadays that you, you have to, you, it's, I don't know if many more people will make it simply by being good at their instrument only, for instance. Right. That, that I don't. I mean, that well, maybe, right. there's probably some stuff we lose though. Like that's what I. I guess I'm gonna ultimately say that's a negative thing because you have people. I'm just thinking this out loud as it comes to me. But if you have to do all this other stuff too, that means that you're gonna have less pe- pure people dedicated to their craft and good at marketing their bands. You know, versus maybe we will lose those really good players that play on the porch and in a garage and, and there's no opportunity for them to get noticed if they're not driven beyond anything other than music. So I wonder if we're going to lose some quality of art that's going to stay in the noise or, or never develop or never get seen. I wonder if we're going to miss that because of all the, uh, you know, multi, whatever you want to call it, jack-of-all-trades type of m- musicians. No, nah, I mean, you know, another great, you know, reference um anthony the guy from bayside was on mm-hmm. maybe it was washed up emo or or 100 words or less one of those two I, I don't remember maybe it was a totally different podcast um it's been a while 
But he, it was so interesting because he's a guy who, you know, started playing and had success with Bayside prior to the whole social media, Mm -hmm. um, you know, craze or whatever. And it was interesting to hear him say exactly what you're saying. Like, I have to wake up every single day and figure out what I'm posting on Instagram, what I'm putting on Twitter, what I'm putting on Facebook, um, because that's what's required, you know? And he wants to just go back to focusing on music. So I do think that you are, you know, right in, in a lot of senses, we, we very well may, um, miss that, but we also might get, you know, some great people who, you know, who, uh, it's going to be new things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine Uh, with moving on with it, but I, I would say that I agree with Anthony there. I mean, I don't practice guitar anymore and that sucks. I got other stuff to do that must be done, and I don't get to practice guitar anymore. But if I'd have just stayed on, if I'd taken all the time I learned about audio and cameras, even recording and podcasting and business and management and book, if I'd have just, what if I'd have just been working on guitar since I was sixteen? Would I just be so good, or would I? Right, but I don't even know. I don't ever get. I'm not gonna ever get to know. Well, I think the the interesting thing there is guitar probably didn't interest you that much it, you're probably right and i would say not just guitar like of course okay sure. so if you anyway. want a narrow focus it'd be like what if i just had been doing scales for six hours a day th- i would be really good but i even mean just if i focused all my time on writing songs and arranging guitar and just playing and write you know that just creative development that it hasn't totally stopped but it's only s- s- certain sections of time when i get to sit down and play a guitar with no about, agenda What do you anymore? think about I think next that sucks. week you, you only record nine podcasts yeah, I know. I know. on the 10th? No, I mean, you know, again, you and I are busy people. There's plenty of things in my life that I oftentimes identify as, you know, there's a void. And I, you know, I make time to play soccer once or twice a week because I fucking love soccer, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I love it more than playing music. I love it more than so many of these other things. And that's why I consistently, you know, get out there and, and play soccer. So for you, it's basically soccer first, then kid, then music, mm, then podcast. So. That's your order. Eh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I mean, it, listen, I think it's, it's a good, delicate balance. And, you know, I have to figure out and understand how they do all tie together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something I didn't care about when I was young. And I, and I, you know, it's funny. I met, I met a guy not too long ago who teaches entrepreneurship, right? And we hit it off because, you know, seemingly I'm entrepreneurial and can relatively talk the talk. But the difference was this is a guy who in all the companies that he started, he figured out how to raise money. Mm -hmm. And what we've done as punks, you know, as hardcore, whatever the hell we are, we figured out how to do things by sacrificing our own personal comfort and sanity. That's right. Which... I don't know if it's better. I don't know if it's worse. I'm happy with where I am and the process, you know, that I've, that I've gone through. But that was the thing where I, you know, I really had to describe it to him. I was like, man, you know, yeah, I got 12 companies at the bottom of my freaking email address. You know, most of them are tied into each other in one way or another, but no, I mean, all I'm doing is, you know, sacrificing my time. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, but that's the whole thing. And that's what I like about it. And that's, I've been trying to understand what I'm holding back by not using more resources or acquiring them or raising money or spending more. That's always the battle because it's safer to build it yourself one brick at a time. And you learn a lot and I love it. But 
I bottleneck a lot of things by doing that is the problem. Versus if you just look at some other business person, like, oh, we well, need to raise $100,000 and hire two people and then go do that. And then you would be way faster and way better. And that may be true, but it's a lot riskier. So it's like, and of course, if I think about it of risk assessment, then I realize I'm doing it wrong. Because I would never say I need to save every dollar to buy a house. Right. I would just borrow the money and go do it and then freaking get on with it. So that that, you know, how much to do yourself and to delegate and or to trust or raise or be on the hook for that also does increase your chance of failure. You can get if I got it, took a million dollar record advance, a good chance it could really hurt us too, you know. Right, but I think one of the things in doing all. You I, know, mean, I mean, I would do that. By the I way, I guess but. my question to you is: I mean, have you failed? Are there times that that you that you failed and things that you've done or or, or no? I don't. I mean, I, I, people love to talk these days about oh, I failed so many times, but I mean. I mean, I, I get, of course I have, but it's, it doesn't matter because I don't have any, <laughs> here's how I explain it. Well, since I don't have any goals, it doesn't really feel like failure. I just keep on moving. <laughs> That's the way it feels to me. So it's just, you could say pivot if you want to use business language, but I'm just constantly, yeah. okay, this is a new reality. So that isn't what I maybe thought it could have been, but what is that? What is the new opportunity that, what did that previous opportunity take me to now? And what's exciting tomorrow? And then ultimately that works. So I don't feel, uh, I don't have a bunch of announcements of things I could list that are failures because I typically choose one thing and stay on it for multiple years. And then, of course, something will work there. And that's just the only way yeah. I not explain it. But I am, I would put it this way I have a kid, and we'll tie it up here, and the time's about up. But the, um, I'm watching my daughter try to figure out how to walk or whatever. And I just, there's no, it's all failure all the time. And so it's only, but the only thing that matters is the attempts. I mean, you would never, I think you should look at, adults and companies more like children it's just all that matters is the attempts and the drive i mean she's going to walk she would never say she failed but she fails well, almost I, entirely no you're exactly right so she's not going to fail she's going well, to walk i well i think that's how most business people in the traditional sense entrepreneur community startup community that's how they view it and that's not really how we were taught to view it or at least that's not how i viewed it for the longest longest time it was you know in some sense, is a perfectionist, um, trying to always succeed. And believe me, I've failed a ton. You know, whether or not I thought I failed, or whether or not the artist told me that I failed, which are two different things, of course. Um, but in each of those times, I've had to figure out how to learn from it, mm -hmm. um, and that's where the value comes in yeah. quote unquote failure. Just like your daughter, she might start with her left foot. Yeah, but I, but nobody uses the language of failure. That's what I'm saying. I don't even think that. I mean. Let's see if I can make sense out of this. But you don't, you don't attempt an a, an attempt that isn't successful doesn't equal a failure in my book. It's just something you tried. Like right. it's like trying a new food. You didn't fail sure. to like. You just don't. It's not failure. I just don't think that's the word for it. Now here's failure. When when you say, you know what, I've got an idea for a business. I'm going to raise three hundred grand. I'm going to make the startup. I'm going to do this. It, here's the goal. It's long term. I've got all this stuff. Is I'm going to. We're going to try and. We need three hundred thousand dollars profitability by X time, and we're going to do this. Here's the plan. We've hired this, 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 this. Okay, now. Right. It's either success or failure. There's no, that's it. Like you're either going to fail or you're not. And I ain't, am not into those situations. That's what I'm saying. So I hedge my bets by not taking risk like that. I'm just doing what I'm doing. And so I don't have to count anything I do as a failure because it was simply an attempt at something in, in the moment. So I don't even think of failure. It doesn't even really cross my mind. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think, you know, listen, I've always admired how you view things because 
I learn from you each and every time I talk to you, this time <laughs> included. No, I mean, honestly, it's like, cause, cause as much as we are very similar people, um, you know, and I listen to a lot of the things you say on your podcast and can relate, you know, very much so. Um, but the way that you view those certain things is a little bit different, but I, I like it. It's inspiring. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not saying it's necessarily prescriptive for everybody. It's what works for me, but, or so right. far, I don't know. Well, and again, that's the fortunate position that both you and I are in that, you know, as I'm talking about young bands and hopefully there's younger people that are tuning into this podcast because they're interested in you and, or they're interested in me. It's like, we now have the perspective that we have because we've been through what we've been through. If I was 20 years old and and having this conversation with you, I would probably drastically disagree with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Be like, F you, dude, no, 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 you know, or whatever. Um, and not just to be combative, but just because I didn't have the the world or life experience. Now, you and I are fortunate enough that through doing the various things that we do, we can, you know, uh, make a living, support our family, support employees, you know, um, to what level of degree, of course, that's all, you know, subjective, but that gives us the ability to have the privileged position that we sit in. Yeah. Well, good luck on outer loop coaching. So that's the URL and I'll set it up at the beginning of the intro too, by the way, I know we did a soft roll in there, but, uh, outerloopcoaching.com is your website for that. And then of course you can find his management and records and other stuff that Mike does and jabberjawmedia.com. Mike runs mostly, um, without a ton of help from me. So thank you for doing, for doing that. Uh, enjoy but, that but, whole but world. Without, yeah. But without you, I, I wouldn't it. be there. No, you no. know what I mean? And that's how I view things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this should be part one of at least one and a half. <laughs> we'll do, do extra five pods a week with you, Mike. Exactly. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure, and um, you know, keep doing what you do. You guys are great. Hi, Reva. Awesome. All right, All right. Matt. see you later, Mike. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Bye. My name is Andy, and I make some instrumental ambient music under the name Lowercase Noises. And I'm very excited to tell you that I'm releasing an, a new album through BC Music on May 19th. And it's called The Swiss Illness, and I'm very excited for you to hear it. Uh, even better is that the pre-order is up as of right now. So you can go to lowercasenoises.com and get in on some really cool pre-order packages. Uh, we've got like four different vinyl variants. If you include a test pressing, if you're a test pressing junkie, we have a few of those for you and some really cool designs and cool stuff. And you're hearing a clip of, of what you can expect under this. Um, there'll be some more stuff coming out in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about this. This will be a nice, you know, you don't have to think about it if you don't want to. You put it on while you're eating your oatmeal or drinking your coffee or driving in your car. Let your mind go where your mind wants to go. Don't let anyone tell you where it should go. So go to lowercasenoises.com. Please check it out and pre-order it. Pre-order that. Pre-order it. It helps me a lot, and uh, I think you're really going to like it. So one last thing here. Each pre-order is going to come with an immediate download of a live performance series that I did earlier this year called the Terra Incognita series, and it has not been available as a download until now, many people have asked, and now it's here. So you're only going to be able to get it right now if you pre-order this album. It'll be free, it'll be instant, and uh, it'll hopefully tide you over until the actual full album comes out which you'll get a little early by the way for pre-ordering so those are a few reasons you should buy it you should check it out it helps me and it'll help you believe me 
it'll help you. So go to lowercasenoises.com right now. Check it out. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional professional Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!